ashen I am bone Rise up ting ting like glitter and gold I got fire in my soul Rise up ting ting All right, right like now, glitter. it's 1.30. 1.30, 1.30, 1.30. Um, it's Eric Chase and the fam. The podcast, like I said, 1.30 Wednesday, October 14th. If you are looking for my very good friend, Dorothy from Good Grief. Dorothy will be at the uh, second half of this podcast. Her and I are going to catch up around 3 o'clock. Why are we having Dorothy on today? As you might have noticed that Wednesday is kind of the day for um, people outside the fam, but still connected friends of the fam and and community people who we love having on and sharing what they've got going on. We'll have Dorothy on uh, at the second half of this podcast today so she can talk about the Good Grief Breakfast. Last year was my first one being a table captain, and uh, it was a fantastic event. I hope one day we can get back to having events like that, and anybody that does any kind of um, nine-to-five workday event where people might have to take some time from their jobs or take some time before or after their jobs, uh, Dorothy has the blueprint for how to have one of these events because it is snappy. It is. You are literally in and out in under an hour. And Good Grief is a phenomenal cause. Uh, thanks for being here. I have some things I want to get to you first. It's weird. Uh, the last couple of days, I don't feel like there's been a whole heck of a lot to talk about. And today, uh, today I'm trying to do more. I made a couple of adjustments. Uh, I'm not eating meat this week, uh, just to see what it's like. You know, I, I love chicken. And then I, I saw um, memes and graphics should rarely ever change your life. If, if they are, uh, I don't know, make some other adjustments. You shouldn't be so fragile where you see a, a picture and it speaks to you. Well, um, one did to me. And I'm like, you know what? From now on, instead of doing all my show prep, hanging on my phone, looking for things to talk about, on the show, on the podcast, with the crew, uh, while I'm on the couch with the dogs, I'm going to do it while I'm walking on the treadmill, so I can do as this graphic said, get 10,000 steps a day. So, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Let me share some of the life change things. Um, I noticed it last week. Somebody asked me, how you doing? And usually when people ask me that, they're, they're people close to me or they they know me and, and some of my struggles. And this this question kind of stopped me. And I was like, you know what? Usually I give the standard answer. I'm okay. Not bad. Doing fine. Just blah. That, that's me. And if you know me, um, I try to remind myself and others when I can remember, don't aim for happiness. Uh, my goal is to just stay away from the darkness. I know it's going to come, but I don't want to live there. And for most people, you can never be happy all the time. You should never be miserable all the time. You want to be in the middle. And that's where I want to be. I just, but I want to mostly evade the darkness. But when this person asked me, I was like, you know what? I'm actually not bad. And you know what to think about it? (laughs) For the last six or seven weeks, I can't remember any times where I'm like, man, wish I were dead. And those thoughts, like I've, I've said for years now, are very fleeting. But I wasn't down or depressed for an extended period of, of time. And I was trying to figure out what the hell that was from because right now is when the some of the, some of the depression should be creeping up on me slowly. Like, I know it's there. I look over my shoulder. I kind of push it away. But I know it's there um, because of the erosion of warm weather and summer and look fall is fine 
There's football, usually. Actually, there's a lot of football now. We just, we, we've had sports clumped on top of one another. Fall is fine. You know, I love my candy corn. Halloween is my favorite. It's not a holiday. Halloween is like my favorite time of, of year. But I know that winter and short days, cold days, snow days are looming and lurking not far off. I saw somebody say that uh, piles of leaves, speaking of, uh, of graphics that speak profoundly to me, Piles of leaves are just pre-snow, and I'm like, oh, that hurts. So I should be getting down. My mood should be waning. But then I'm like, so what's going on? It's not football. Uh, it's not that sports are back. So what is it? My schedule's different. I can have normal hours. And for the most part, I've been getting up still before 7 o'clock. My body is just used to waking up. And for the last six or eight months, my alarm was set around 4 a.m. But there were probably three days between now and last March or earlier when I actually made it to my alarm. Because there would be days, uh, 3 o'clock would roll around and I'd be like, well, you know, can't do anything now. I might as well just go to bed. My sleep schedule was not good, not conducive to normal behavior. And I'll never be completely normal like most people, but now it's kind of nice. So my schedule being different has, I think, kept me in good spirits. I still get up before 7 o'clock for the most part. Uh, I'm staying up at least past 9. Some nights, especially the last few days with Bly Manor, which I'll get to. Minor spoilers coming up. Um, I've watched that. So I've been up till like 11 o'clock. And I'm trying to get no less than six hours, no more than eight hours. And this is really nice. I met a friend for dinner last night. And I, I'm, I was so, it's so habitual for me to go, oh, I have dinner at seven o'clock, got to cancel that. Or I was just concerned, I, I got a half an hour and then I got to go. We were there till, we always closed this place. And I'll talk about that place coming up as well. And it was a good night. And I said to my friend, we got to do this once a week. Let's do this once a week because both of our schedules will allow for that. Now, um, I had thought intermittently over the last year and a half, two years, and then prior to that, on the old show, whenever my mood was eroding and the darkness was coming, um, I would go, you know what? Maybe I'm just not a person that can manage these hours. And we all have to make sacrifices for kids and family and what we do and what we love. And I, I'm as close to loving what I do, especially when this microphone is on and I can give you hopefully enjoyable, compelling, thought-provoking content. That's as close to love as most people can get in what they do. But I did think maybe for the, the best interests of my mood and spirits, affability and happiness, whatever level, I, whatever level of that I can achieve, maybe I'm just not somebody who can, can do a morning show because of the hours. That decision was removed from my hands. So I didn't ever have to make that decision because I, I I wanted to do what I did. So that's why I just put my head down and that head hit a pillow sometimes before three o'clock on a weekday knowing that, you know what? Uh, I got to get up before everyone else in the middle of everyone's night so that I can do what I, what I do, what I enjoy. So spirits have been up for the last handful of weeks. What else? Uh, you know one thing that makes me kind of upset? People who make left turns 
across major roads. Like the one example I frequently use, and I was just at Fresh Time last night. If you're at Fresh Time on Monroe Street and you're trying to leave Fresh Time out of their driveway to make a left across Monroe and then go west on Monroe towards Target. Um, When you're doing that, it's very challenging, especially during... God, forget rush hour, even any kind of busy time. It is hard to make that left. It's also dangerous. It also backs up people who are trying to get out and just go right, like me. You're not smart enough, clever enough to know that there's a light that you could go down to near uh, the barbecue place and make your left that way. Instead, you want to hold up traffic and make a dangerous left turn. One of the dangerous, if not the most dangerous intersection in all the areas, airport and burn. A lot of accidents. And I came across something today on my favorite place. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but I do get a lot of great content there. There's content and stories I see there before I see elsewhere. Um, On the Toledo Reddit page, apparently there's some kind of project and it's soliciting public input, I believe on October 21st, some kind of public meeting. And I can't see how too many people would be opposed to this. But they're going to do some some massive changes to airport and burn, which I guess will make it a headache for a while. Uh, I have the graphic. You can either go to the Toledo Reddit page and look for it there. I have it on the Eric Chase and the Fam Facebook page to see all the proposals, and many of which seem to make a lot of sense. Somebody noted that it looks like one of the only things that would go away would be the rallies that's there on the corner, but um, thankfully, I never have to make any of the lefts at airport and burn where traffic is just backed up for lights and lights and lights. But it looks like they want to make some additional lanes in that intersection, I guess to one, make it less safe far less congested and to make some of those turns a lot easier. There have been times, try to visualize this with me. Um, And this is in the last handful of weeks. People are going east on airport, uh, east on airport to cross over burn or they're going east on airport and they want to make a left on burn to go north. You got that? Does that make sense? Um, So that line to turn left is really long. And those people just want to turn left at the light. I have wanted to turn into the Circle K to get a Coke Zero before I came into work or something. And I'm in that left lane. And I have literally driven on the wrong side of the road to hop into that Circle K driveway because the the people in the turning lane are so backed up. So I'm looking forward to changes and improvements there. And I think, again, it's October 21st where the um, ODOT or whoever is soliciting public input. What else? Um, last night, my dinner was at BB Bop. And I had said when they were doing some things here and we did some giveaways, it's like a uh, it's like a, a, a chain version of Balance. And we all love Balance. Shout out to PK and CJ, who I think is out in Cleveland. Don't see him anymore. PK is always around. Um, balance is awesome. We all love Balance and whatever they have there. The, the new garden downtown. And we're big Balance fans. Last night, a friend said, let's go by the mall. I said, okay, how about we'll try this BB Bop place? Uh, didn't like it. I, and I told you no meat this week. So I I saw tofu. I'm like, all right, let me, instead of having all garden stuff, let me try this tofu stuff. So whether I don't like tofu or what I got, which was salad stuff, purple rice, cucumbers, corn, carrots, sesame ginger sauce, it was not as robust and fla- as flavorful as balance. And I'll leave it at that. And again, you might enjoy the heck out of it. Um, 
my opinion should not be gospel, except for certain things, some of which we'll continue to get to. But try it. And if you like it, you like it. But we always got to support our local people here, especially at a, at a great place like Balance. Uh, PK doesn't pay for advertising or anything like that. Um, I will tell you if there's an ad. And we always tell this thing is song-free and commercial-free. And I kind of love this about this podcast because I do listen to a lot of other podcasts. And when there's a commercial in the minute, in the middle, I hit the little fast-forward button. You don't have to do that here unless you just want to move on to another topic. Um, quickly, on a store you could have given me a heads up on. I don't talk about it a ton, but I think a lot of us like home goods, Marshalls. Um, have you heard of Ross? We don't have a Ross here, but it would be nice if we did. They're all kind of the same. And, and what's the other one? Um, TJ Maxx. Uh, today, I went into the, the new Burlington Coat Factory across from my gym on Holland, Sylvania. They moved from down at um, Reynolds and Airport. It's basically the same thing as those stores. I went in just to see it was what was in there. I haven't been in since it opened. And I figured they also have a toy section where I can pick up some Transformers because everything is like cut rate cost. And it's like the same thing as Home Goods and the other stores. And it wasn't that busy at all. So add that to your list of places you, for me, buy candles, buy some clothes, look for toys, really cheap, uh, good olive oil. Like you can get olive oil for like, uh, like the 500 milliliters for six bucks. What else? Um... Prime Day wraps up today. There's only one thing that I, I feel like I needed to share with everybody. Maybe you'll find deals that you'll enjoy, but um, uh, hopefully you can find this soon enough. If you want AirPods, now is the time to get them on Amazon. Uh, they're $114. I don't. I, I think that's a savings of about 40 or 50 bucks. They're not the pros. They're just the AirPods. So if you want to have an iPhone, the, the 12 and whatever was um, was presented to us yesterday. But if you want to ditch the cord in your earbuds and get AirPods, uh, score snag that Amazon deal for 114 bucks. What else do we have? Balance. Uh, Bly Manor. I'm just about done. I have one more episode to go. Um, I don't think this will be too spoilery. Fine. In episode seven, I'm like, all right, this is dragging on. I don't care about these people anymore. I realize that they've been through a lot of horrific trauma. Play the violin for them. Um, then the eighth episode gives the backstory of why that place is haunted. And I enjoyed it. It was a very well-constructed backstory. It, too, was too long of an episode. So, and, and maybe the final episode will have, will sew it all together and I'll go, this was a great season. But I do feel like at least for what I watch, The Haunting of Hill House was so unique and different and well done from anything else I've watched. It was going to be hard to capture that magic again. And when you do force things that are only supposed to have a single story or chapter, um, it's like when you don't have people around you who won't, who won't tell you no. You can make a lot of bad decisions. But I feel like Bly Manor could have been five episodes. But that's really not how Netflix rolls. Um, a couple of final things here. One, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. Uh, for, I think, the Wonder Woman role, she got three hundred grand. For uh, Wonder Woman 84, which may come out on Christmas, she's getting, rightfully, $10 million. She's also been cast as Cleopatra in some movie about the Nile and Egypt and Cleopatra. As you might guess, some people on the internet are upset that, for all intents and purposes, a white woman is playing um, 
uh, Queen of Egypt. Sorry, I had to catch up on some of the history of uh, Cleopatra today. And, and I know that this has happened in the past. One that was recent. Wasn't there a Christian Bale Bible movie filled with white people? Um, so, first things first. Well, I'll bring my number three forward. I am all about including more people who are not white, men and women, um, expand them, especially if they are gifted and talented. Somebody pointed out, one complainer pointed out, why couldn't you have cast this Arabian actress in the role? Well, I don't know who she was, but I'm not saying she wasn't talented. Um, Give her a role, build her up. So when the time is right, when that person is a box office draw, then they can have this role. Um, which brings me to Gal Gadot. She brings eyeballs. And at the end of the day, uh, these things are businesses. It's all about making money. And Gal Gadot brings in people, eyeballs, clicks, views, interest. That's why she got such a deservingly big raise for the Wonder Woman sequel from 300 grand to 10 million. She is a star. That's why I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't surprised she didn't say anything about any kind of uh, bad behavior by Joss Whedon on Batman, no, on Justice League, because she is on the cusp of being the woman in Hollywood. So she's got to be very careful about what she says and who she supports because she doesn't want to cut off her nose to spite her face. Maybe she will get to a point where she can say whatever, like Ellen Pompeo, and she will continue to get all the work in the world because that's the kind of clout she has but not quite yet. So congrats to her for the payday. And these movies are businesses. They have, you could bring in the most talented actress or actor in the world. If nobody knows who they are, that might not resonate and the movie will flop. And the project will flop. flop. That's true for almost any business. The other thing is, they're actors. Uh, they play other people for a living. This came up, one pops in my head. There was a movie three years ago, four years ago with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Brian Cranston played a um, a disabled man and people said, why couldn't you get a disabled man to play this? And I think Brian Cranston said and got heat for saying, I'm an actor. I play other people for a living. So let me try to marry these two things here. Absolutely include more people who aren't just white dudes or white women. Give these people a, a place to show off their talent and platform. And that one Arabian actress, continue give her more and more roles. So when the, when the next one rolls around, they're like, we need a, uh, we're looking for someone who is a dark-skinned Arabian background. I've got just the person for you because she is talented, gifted, and popular. Will make us money. Um... I saw that UT is hosting some kind of rocket refuel, refuel the rockets, some kind of school fundraiser. I know that universities are important parts of every community. Um, I can only imagine, maybe not necessarily Ann Arbor, but some other college communities that haven't been able to have full sports and full fall football. Um, And it's really hurt these places where the only thing within miles of these campuses are nothing like the campus is the 10 state college pa where penn state is so much business has likely been affected columbus not so much because it's a major city it's the state capital uh here in toledo not a lot but still the university of toledo is an important part of our community and if it were not here the community would suffer but i know about your school loans and how gargantuan they are and what and what tuition and other costs are involved with higher education And I feel like it's a little tone deaf to be asking for money. 
one of the last businesses, and that's what colleges are. Hospitals are, it, it's all a business. Um, one of the last places to be holding their hand out, asking for money, should be a place of higher education. Um, and I know that people always say when it comes to raising of taxes and city council stuff, I don't trust the city. They don't, they're irresponsible when it comes to spending the money I already give them. I'm not going to let you raise my taxes. I'm not going to vote for the levy, blah, 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 blah. Like, I get it. That's easy. But you should also say, you should definitely say to universities, don't you make enough money? Pull your hand back in. Um, if anything, even if they, they do really, really need the money, it, it, it's not a good look. I feel like there are a lot of other places that may be more important to individuals in our community um, that are in far more perilous and immediate danger. Like UT is not going to close its doors. We have many small businesses, medium-sized businesses that will due to the pandemic. Agree or disagree? Am I wrong? Am I missing parts of this? Please, I'm, I'm always, I might sound like a, a, a hubris-filled asshole but um, please, I am willing to listen to reasonable points of view. Here's the last reasonable point of view, and then we'll hop to Dorothy here. And I'm not being sarcastic. This is not sarcasm fun. So uh, Amy Amy Coney Barrett is uh, is during is under the Senate hearings, where she'll likely be confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice, a conservative um, that will replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg after her passing a couple of weeks ago. We know that Amy Coney Barrett is a, a deeply religious woman. I think it's Christianity. Here's what I have a hard time uh, figuring out. She says she's going to rule based on on, on the laws that are on the books, the, the Constitution. And if you've read anything about her and this maybe lately, maybe you've found out a, a lot about originalism, which I didn't know much about until this, much like I didn't know much about court packing until the last handful of weeks. Originalism, I believe, if I'm wrong, fill me in here. Originalism is the idea that you decide, you make your court decisions based on how the Constitution was written. The the spirit and the words of that document a couple hundred years ago. I, I mean, it sounds good in, in theory. In practice, I don't like it because I always go back to that document. And sure, it's changed over the years. There have been amendments. But the spirit of that document was only benefiting rich white men. Poor white men, get out of here. White people with no land, get out of here. Women, no chance. Black people, ha. Um, it actually allows slavery to continue. So I have a problem with the spirit of that document. And I know that compromises needed to be made to secure our freedom. But I have an issue with, I with I think, I, I think I have an issue with what I believe originalism is. And But the larger question here is, it, how do we make all of our decisions? It's what we learn, how we're educated, um, our, our core beliefs. And it seems like ACB, can I shorten this to like AOC, ACB? It seems like her beliefs, her core beliefs, values, and fundamentals come from her religion. Forget about the separation of church and state. That can be murky and gray and I'll say hypocritical in a lot of ways. Um... But how can you separate your thoughts and your rulings from religion when it is so integral to your your foundational beliefs? I mean, maybe she is such an 
otherworldly brilliant woman where she has the ability to compartmentalize. And she can, you know, when she's processing a, a case, she can go, okay, my personal beliefs due to church beliefs are X, but this is the way the law was written. And I will not allow my core beliefs to have influence over what, what ruling I need to make. I don't think that's possible. Um, even if you can do a great, even if you can do a great amount of compartmentalization, we are still human beings. And I like to say, well, I try not to stick my nose in these places too much because it'll come off wrong. But I know you're a woman you hate when you hate hearing, you hate hearing that women are too emotional for politics. You like now saying, especially after what we saw a couple of weeks ago, men are too emotional for politics. I'm going to one up everybody. Humans are just too emotional. Um, But this is why ACB is under the Senate hearings this week. Uh, It is to discern how objective she can be and how much she can place those foundational religious beliefs aside when it comes to places where religious uh, religion, in my opinion, shouldn't really have any dictation over what's happening. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, You know, Roe Wade stuff, uh, pro-life, pro-choice, all that stuff. That stuff is all comes together in a very spiked, tangly web. But again, I ask, how can you make decisions? How are you able to make decisions when such a foundational part of how you make your decisions in life, personally and professionally, comes from religion? I wish her well, though. She's got to do the best for all of us, for all of us. Um, My good friend, Dorothy, from Good Grief, will explain what Good Grief is, and hopefully you'll choose to support it because it is a great thing. And anytime we've had Dorothy on the air, on the podcast, or I mention it, there's one, there's a phrase I always get. I wish I knew about this sooner. Let's get to Dorothy. Please let me introduce uh, the Honorable Dorothy Mockensturm from Good Grief of Northwest Ohio. It is good to talk to you again. It's good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Of course, um, this time last year, I forget the exact date, but it was my first chance to be a part of, um, to be a table captain for the fundraising breakfast, which I was completely blown away by. And um, obviously, you are a great organization. And like I've told you many times, and I'm going to say it again here, whenever you're on, we talk about, I talk about anything with good grief. People always say, I wish I knew about this sooner. But you, whenever, hopefully cross our fingers next year, the breakfast can be back in its normal form. Um, People should come, other organizations should come watch how you run that thing because it is awesome. Like you were you have never been more truthful and honest that this thing is an hour and you will be in and out in one hour. It is snappy. Thank you. Yeah, we, we try really hard to to uh, to adhere to that, to be to honor people's time, especially when you invite them to something at 8 a.m. Um, you don't want to be you don't want to be lackadaisical with with how you do things. So I appreciate those kind words. That's very nice to hear. Yeah, Thank we, you. It was it really is so well run. Like that's how more events should be run because we're all we're all tight on time. We don't want to hear people linger on and be verbose. But it's a it's a great thing, and hopefully it's back next year. We'll get to uh to how people can be a part of this year's virtual event in a second. But first, what's good grief? Right, so we're a nonprofit in Toledo and we provide peer support groups for children and teens who've had a death impact their lives. Um, We also in-house support the adults that care for those kids. Um, It's not counseling or therapy. It's really a moment for 
children especially to be with other kids uh, their own age who've experienced something similar because you know face it death is weird and and grief is hard and messy and most of us don't know how to interact with somebody who is grieving so we just sort of stop talking to them um, and that that sends a message to that to children especially but I, I suspect to adults as well that um, because it's hard for me to know what to say I don't say anything to you and the message I take away from that is that I am somehow less than uh, and very much different than everybody else in the room so by bringing them together and letting them express whatever it is they need to express um, it helps them sort of reorder their understanding of the universe now that this important person is no longer in it. Um, yeah. So besides the kids um, just connecting with one another, and like I always tell adults, you know, what, what goes on in between our ears often tells us you're the only one feeling like this. Right. So it's good that these kids can connect, but you have some really creative, innovative uh, exercises that the kids go through that can help with all of this, right? That's right. So, you know, back in air quote normal times when we <laughs> are meeting in person, um, each one of the program nights, especially for the younger kids. So we work with kids from four to young adult. Um, so for the younger kids, I would say from four to probably 12, 13 years old, um, they are more reliant on um, sort of a process where we begin the we begin the program night with either an art-based activity or an experiential task that really is just a tool to start conversation. Um, so while they're here, they understand that there is no wrong emotion. There isn't anything that isn't safe to say. Um, you know, people don't, may not think of when you think of grief, you think people are sad, which um, may not be the, the main emotion at any given moment, especially for kids. So there might be embarrassment, there might be anger, there might be uh, regret. Um, and when you don't have the words, you don't have the vocabulary to sort of um, say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a fair amount of regret right now. Um, it's important that we find avenues for kids to be able to express it that may or may not be verbal. So, and that's where the the art uh, exercises come into the kids, right? So, like a great example, um, and I, and I love this example because it was totally unexpected to me. Um, our program director Shana got a bunch of phone books, um, and the the activity was literally. Um, open up the phone book, think about something that makes you angry and rip out a page of the phone book. There's no harm to anybody. It's, it's sort of helps kind of harness those big aggressive emotions. Um, and by the end of it, you know, there's just piles and piles of, of uh, destroyed phone books on the floor. Um, and I'll never forget, there was one, one little guy whose dad had died unexpectedly in a... Um, well, in a, in a car accident, and his dad was out of town when it happened. And this little guy was, was hurt and, and worried, but he was also very angry. And um, he had this phone book, and he was just bashing it on the table. And it makes me kind of choke up as I, as I re recall it. 
you could see that in that moment he knew that it was okay to feel that emotion to its fullest extent um, and there aren't very many ways places and ways kids can do that so we're honored to be that for them I would guess uh, for a lot of kids especially younger ones who don't have that outlet maybe they'll act in weird or uh, or misbehaving ways uh, I'm sure that's happened a lot yeah kids that have gone to therapy kids that have gone uh, and families that have come to you because they'll they'll act weird in school with their friends and it can be troublesome and it's not addressed and you guys are such a great place for them to experience or have an outlet for all these unfamiliar emotions to them right right and that's you bring up a really good point is that um, you know kids spend a lot of time in school and their grief is going to go with them and um uh, there's been studies that have been done that teachers say they don't feel equipped to be able to help support a student who is grieving. So they just don't do anything. And often, you know, the a change in behavior or a change in personality because of the, the death of their person can be mislabeled um, as somebody, you know, having behavioral issues or being some sort of problematic or, uh, you know, uh, using this as a way to get out of doing things, which really kind of filters down to a basic misunderstanding of the complexities of grief. How, uh, how usually you have the kids come to the facility to do this and you have a brand new facility, which doesn't really mean a whole lot right now um, because of what's going on and you like everybody else doing everything virtually. So how do some of these exercise exercises with the kids and what are some of the techniques that you guys do? How are you, how have you, how have you transitioned like everybody else has to do it? Like exactly what we're doing. Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, uh, we're grateful that, that technology exists in, a, in an affordable way for a small nonprofit like ours. So mostly at this point, it's about maintaining that connection. Um, there's some, when we talk about experiential tasks, there may be like a, uh, like a, um, I can't think of the word right now, (laughs) where we, they share something that is a memory of their person, Mm -hmm. whether it's a photograph or a piece of clothing or, um, you know, uh, and and something that they did together. Um, And really that's just helping to, to maintain, build and maintain connections within the group when we can't all be in the same room. I mean, we're, we're all about a very, uh, human to human to human interaction that is now reliant on technology, and as I said, we're grateful for that. But you're you're right. We do have to do a little bit of, um, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that this is this is weird and different on top of the weirdness and differentness that they were already feeling. How much of a struggle has that been? And have you seen? Or have you been fortunate enough to still see successful results? Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> um, I would say yes, we are achieving results. Meaning, um, kids are are still tuning in. You know, signing, clicking on the Zoom link, and interacting with one another. Um, we are still able to help new families. So there's the the group of people that were with us when we, um, you know, had to go go home when we had to shut down 
Um, and then throughout this time, there are people that have um, come to us newly and we I, I'm grateful that we haven't had to turn anybody away or put them on a waiting list and we are able to to continue to help them um, in, you know in the immediate mm-hmm. well I think I would guess while you probably can't help in the traditional way to some of these newer people um, and I'm glad that would you well let me ask this for, would you say that you're growing um well that's again, big question. I would say prior to, I can tell you this, that prior to when we had to shut down in March, we were getting ready to add another program night. So in that sense, yes, we were, we were growing. Um, you know, this has been particularly in all of our kids, our school age kids, this is a particularly trying time for families, for there's so much to juggle right now. Um, you know, we all had to figure out what we were going to do for a living, whether we were going to be able to do it from home or if we just weren't going to do it for a while. And then, you know, how are our kids going to learn? Um, not everybody has access to high speed Internet. Not everybody has access to multiple, you know, devices within their home. If you had more than one kid that was in school, you had to juggle all of that. So throughout all of that, um, we've we hope to be that in that sort of supportive present, that calming presence for our kids who are grieving. It's not like you can put grief on hold. Yeah. Um, so our I'm happy that we've that we've maintained um, a presence in the community for the people that um, are able to add this thing to the myriad of things that they, this thing being attending Zoom meetings with the good grief people, um, while they're also juggling 101 other things. Yeah, the challenge of, it's hard enough to get some of these kids to to do their schooling online so much. And it's like, here, your grief friends, more time on the computer. And I could see why that's a challenge, but... Well, I'm glad that you believe things are growing because like I've known you from the get-go. Every time I bring it up, somebody's always like, I wish I knew about this sooner. And I'm sure there's probably some solace that you can take with new new people that have found you during all of this. Mm-hmm. At least them knowing that you're there is probably really helpful because they don't know what it was before and how, how great it was and how special the things that you guys did with the group meeting. So they're just happy to know that there is something like this. And that probably helps them just a little bit, maybe enough to get them in a good direction. I think so. And, and the fact that we are, there's no cost to our, to our programs. Participants never um, pay anything for what we do. Um, and so for a lot of families, we really are the only support available to them. Not everybody has, you know, insurance or, or insurance that's going to cover um, mental health or, or uh, you know, that kind of support. So, um, yeah, the fact that we do this for free, um, I think is a, is, is an important thing for us to share with everybody, um, so that they know that this is open to anybody and everybody. And just like everybody else's event, no matter how big or how small the Coleman race went virtual, you guys Mm -hmm. have lost your big in-person fundraiser, the breakfast, which we talked about at the outset here of our discussion. So, so how can people be involved? Because as we talked about over lunch last week, it's, it's, it's bad. It sucks, but it's good (laughs) because now it can be spread a little wider outside than just people at the breakfast, right? To, to help donate some money to keep this thing going. 
Exactly. So our community breakfast, um, as you said, is an annual event, and it is a huge part of our annual budget. Um, so, you know, we like like taking a break from fundraising um, is just not an option. And as much as everybody is um, struggling to sort of pivot to this virtual way, um, for us, this is this is, you know, this is so important. We can't we we need this support in ways that uh, hopefully I've explained to you, but yeah. <laughs> we just, we really do. So yeah, so what we're doing, um, because it's a breakfast, uh, kind of playing on that theme, uh, we're going to be utilizing table captains and you as a, as a wonderful guy that you are have agreed to, to be a, a table captain for us again this year. So you will send an email to, you know, your group of people. And as you mentioned, it could be your you know, college friend in Boise or your aunt in Hawaii, it, it doesn't have to be somebody that's local. And they will receive um, a breakfast menu and on it will be all those different elements that they would have seen if they were at an in-person event. So typically we hear from one of our family or um, kid participants. Um, that's an element this year. Uh, one of our board members will talk and then also one of our volunteers will, will talk about her experience. Um, and then we have some written materials, kind of a, you know, a quick overview of what Good Grief is and what we do. Um, and then also some information that is about the uh, power of peer support and why that's especially um, important and effective with kids. Um, so, and then, you know, links to our website to be able to make donations. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to the different aspect this year um, so that I can spread it to friends virtually because I have friends all over and it, you know, people usually want to give to things that are local, but mm -hmm. I have enough people with, with good contacts everywhere who I'm not hesitant to go, hey, this is a cool thing. I'd love for you to help me support it. In fact, uh, one of the people at my table um, last year who I was telling about what's going on this year, uh, that person said, oh, I signed up to give for a couple of years. I'm like, okay, you're off the hook. Don't be expecting an email. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I always want to have you on to talk about it. And I wish there were other ways other than, you know, people will overlook emails or, or shares right. on Facebook, but everybody that we, that I can stick good grief in front of is, is pulled in some kind of direction because it's kids, it's sadness, it's grief. It's a whole different level of, of, of mental health. And we've, we've, we've beaten up that stigma pretty hard, but this is a, a challenging thing because of kids and what you've already talked about. How Look, some of these kids eat glue and, and do dumb things when you tell them not to do things. That's kids being kids. So to have them discuss and try to relate and overcome such a challenging thing with death and loss in their life and grief is uh, you're, you're, doing the, you're doing big work there. And I'm always happy to help support you. And by the way, um, Allie got engaged. I wish she was here to help out. Oh, I know. I actually I follow her on Twitter. So I saw that announcement and it's, you know, just wonderful news yeah, yeah. Uh, can people still if they want to be involved in other ways um volunteers or, or is that kind of off limits or i know uh you can have people get trained 
mm-hmm. to run some of these groups? How might people be able to get involved in that? Or is that all off limits for right now? I, no, I wouldn't say that was off limits um, right. because our training process takes a while. Um, this is pretty is a very specific sort of thing that we do. And we take a lot of time um, to um, equip volunteers to do the thing we're going to ask them to do. So if somebody is interested in learning more about good grief, for whatever reason, there's a couple things I wanted to say when you were, you were saying about sending it to people far and wide. So we, there are other organizations throughout the country that do um, very much like what we do. So if there was somebody in, you know, Wisconsin that, that got this, um, I would encourage them to, um, and they felt like they needed this kind of support, they can certainly contact me. I'd be happy to, happy to sort of look at what resources are available in their area or just to reach out and, and, and find. Um, so while we're the only ones in Northwest Ohio that are doing this, there are other organizations throughout the country. Um, and then the other point, if I may, sure, Mr. Mr. <laughs> um, is that while you're right, a group of kids that are grieving um, the first so if you've never seen it, if you've not experienced it yourself, most people's perspe- perception is going to be a group of really dour, sad kids. Um, and there are moments that can feel kind of heavy. But the truth is that th- it's just like any other group of kids. They just have this um, very specific thing in common. And what we... Um, what we want them to walk out of here with is feeling that they have um, identified for themselves positive coping skills, supportive people, things they can do to help themselves through the, the difficult times because we're never gonna we're never gonna say that we can take this away. Yeah. Um, but we can help them um, find their way to positive ways to deal with it. Um, throughout their lives and that's I think that's that's the hope and the healing and the and the resilience um, is really I think the power of, of what we do if we just sat around and, and be and be sad together I don't know that it would be um, worth anybody's time yeah. but the the fact that we're helping kids um, and it's different for everybody. What what works for you is not necessarily going to work for me. Is not necessarily going to work for you know Joe down the street. But but through the sort of the magic of listening and being fully present to kids, um, they find their own way. To your point about uh, the not being like a dour, somber group of kids just sitting around crying on each other's shoulders. Well, I'm sure that happens at time. Uh, at times, um, my observation from at least watching the videos uh, with Good Grief is that's usually the parents because the, true. <laughs> the, the parents have obviously endured a loss, but they're also very empathetic and they want they don't want their kids to be suffering so mm-hmm. the parents have this weight on on them but it is and, and now you can think back to the kids who i said eat glue and are, are sad but they also have this it's some it's some naivety but it's also just an endless resilience yes um that they can go maybe they don't quite understand it um in its most clearest form but they get it and you guys help pull that out of them and and find that strength so that they can get beyond some of these things and i know that's a very abstract 
concept, but yeah, it is amazing to watch some of these videos that you already talked about and are easily accessible in a variety of places that we've already discussed to go, wow, that kid has been through things that you would never wish on any child and he mm -hmm. has a he or she has a pretty positive mood and you guys help build that with the, with those kids so i'm always happy to help you well we are very grateful for your help and support how did we meet again um somebody ripped you into coming to one of our committee meetings oh gene that's right yeah 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 and uh yeah we connected trying to figure that out again and i always forget our genesis and there it was gene yep Yep, awesome. she was the, the, the linchpin. Um, one last thing. The, so, like, the, the breakfast was a day, the, the opportunity to give and, and how widespread this can be, it doesn't really have a time limit on it, or what's the, the time for people to want to get involved? Right, so to kind of create a, you know, an event of it, um, we picked the week that we would have been having our breakfast. So, it is the, these emails will be sent out October 26th, which is a Monday and then people really have that whole week to sort of you know look at and respond um, but the reality is if anybody wants to find out more about us right now they can go to our website goodgriefnwo.org or give us a call 419-360-4939 uh, and I'm happy to answer questions if even if you you know you, gosh this is interesting I'd like to learn more or, yep, sign me up. I know I want to be a, a volunteer or I want to be one of your table captains or I might want to serve on the committee next to Eric. When I can make it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, now it's virtual, so you, you, yes. your excuses are shrinking. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> awesome. Well, good to catch up with you. Thanks for, for, for Thank sharing you. the message so much better than I could ever do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Good grief from Northwest Ohio. Good to chat with you. You too. Thank you so much.